It's Thursday, June 22nd. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, devastating numbers out from the U.S. Department of Education about America's kids. I'll discuss the data and what we can do about it. Second, U.S. Border Patrol agents have arrested a record number of people on America's terror watch list. I've got those details in a bit. Third, Joe Biden just called China's president a dictator, and by doing so, he might have revealed classified information. More on that later. Then we close out the podcast with a listener question about digital exhaust. That is a topic that we covered last week. Well, Kyle in Connecticut wanted to know whether something that's called a VPN might help him hide his digital exhaust. So I'll explain what that is and my advice on whether somebody should sign up for one. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Some devastating test scores to tell you about regarding America's kids with some profound implications for the future of the country. So let's talk about facts and data this morning with details provided by NPR, Fox News, Axios, and the Dallas Morning News. And let's, uh, folks, start with this. Since the 1970s, the Department of Education has collected statistics on the condition of America's education system. And those statistics are often referred to as the nation's report card. And it covers the academic achievement of students in subjects like mathematics and reading, writing, and science. Right. These assessments are given to kids uh, in the 4th, 8th, and 12th grades all across the country every few years. Well, starting back in the year 2012, scores started to fall. Right, Lots of debate about why, but the point is that alarm bells started ringing about 10 years ago about America's education system and the kids that it was producing. And then the pandemic hit, and the bottom absolutely fell out. First, we got data last fall about test scores on 4th and 8th grade kids showing the largest declines in math scores ever recorded, most especially for black and poor kids. Meanwhile, their reading scores fell too, down to 20-year lows. Then last month, we got more bad scores for their understanding of U.S. history and civics, including this. Only 13% of America's 8th grade students have a proficient understanding of their country's history. Well, now we have even more data on middle schoolers to talk about, released yesterday by the Department of Education, and my goodness, it is just ugly. The decline in math scores was the biggest in the past 50 years, especially for Black, Hispanic, and Native American students. There was also a gender component to these terrible results. Uh, Girls, their scores dropped 11 points, while boys were just down 7 points. I should also note that reading scores, those were down too, not just math, In fact, fewer kids read now for fun than in years gone by, and that has a direct correlation with how good or bad their other test scores might be. Next, kids are missing more school now than in the past. 10% of kids said that they missed more than five days of school in the past month. That was only 5% of kids just a couple years ago. Finally, these numbers held true across all school types, whether it be rural or suburban and in the city. Declines were also found across all regions of the country in the South, Northeast, Midwest, and the West. So overall, folks, just an absolute disaster of a data set with 
one more thing to offer you on this before we pivot to analysis and opinion. Joe Biden's secretary of education said uh, yesterday in response to these latest test scores that, quote, the Biden-Harris administration recognized from day one that the pandemic would have a devastating impact on students learning and that it would take years of effort and investment to reverse the damage, end quote. So there you have it, both the facts and data, as well as the administration's response to them, namely that we are going to need a lot more effort and cash to fix it. So let's switch to opinion and analysis this morning. And for this one, I want you to imagine that you are in the Oval Office, sitting behind the Resolute desk, trying to figure out what these test scores mean and most importantly, what to do about it. All right, let's start with the most obvious thing, folks. Our kids are hurting. And in some cases, that pain and that dysfunction is so bad that they're not even showing up for classes. So here is my counsel to you, specifically three things for us to consider as next steps. First, we ought to embrace something called school choice, which means that parents can choose how their kids access their learning, right? That could include public schools, charter schools, religious schools, and homeschooling too. In other words, we need an all-the-above approach to get kids back on track, and that includes using public funds to do so. Now, for folks unaware, what I just said is a bit of a controversial opinion, especially for Democrats, right? They argue that public money should only go to public schools. But recently, the Supreme Court disagreed with them, issuing a ruling called Carson versus Malkin, right? And that allows public money for private and religious schooling. So my goodness, based on these test scores, let's remind the country and parents of that decision, of that option. Second, I mentioned that Biden officials believe that part of the solution to this crisis is more money. But I would ask of you to consider this. America has long spent more cash per student than most other countries in the world, around $14,000 per student. And yet, America's test scores have not reflected that big spending. In fact, an analysis of 64 countries back in 2018, well, that analysis showed that America ranks 8th in reading skills, 11th in science, and 30th in math, despite the fact that we are one of the four top spenders in education in the world. The point is that money might be helpful in some cases or for some districts, but it can't and shouldn't be the primary solution to this problem. And that actually takes us to our third consideration of this morning. And that is this next question. What ultimately is driving this problem, right? Why aren't students learning and why are some not even showing up to school? Well, as you would imagine, that is a pretty big set of questions with a few different complicated answers. But I want to focus on a brief that I gave you back on May 26th, where I offered you this fact. The United States has the world's highest rate of children living in single-parent households, right? That includes 49% of black kids, 28% of Hispanic children, and 21% of white kids. By the way, in the year 1960, only 7% of kids lived with just one parent. The point, then, is if you are sitting in the Oval Office trying to figure out what is ultimately driving this education problem— I think, ladies and gentlemen, we have a family problem, and that is what we have to talk about and solve. And to be very clear, folks, we have to solve this family problem, right? The country collapses if we don't. And here's why I say that. If we step back 
for a minute, right? The United States is different than a dictatorship or a monarchy in one fundamental way. Our government functions based on the will and the decisions of the people, the voters, which means that you and me and all of us, our minds, they better be shaped by a good education, common sense, and reason. And ultimately, that comes from parents, parents who are engaged, thoughtful moms and dads. But what happens if we fall short on that promise? What happens in a democratic republic like ours when our children, who become our adults and our voters, increasingly don't have a good education because they don't have engaged, thoughtful moms and dads in the same house? Well, what the data I think is telling us this morning is that the fate of the country is in very serious doubt. All right, maybe we don't see the implications of this today or tomorrow, but we will see it and we will live with it. Eventually, it will come in, in a slow and steady decline that eventually leads to collapse. So, yes, let's embrace school choice. And yes, let's embrace more resources where it is appropriate. But no, we cannot stop there. Because neither of those things are ultimately what these bad test scores are really about this morning. Instead, these test scores... Right? They are telling us, they are screaming that we've got broken families, right? lacking moms and dads who are ultimately responsible for teaching their kids and getting them to school and fixing the schools and ultimately using their wisdom and their discernment to guide not just their families, but the nation. So that is what we need to address if we want to get to the bottom of these disastrous test scores. Right, that is what we need to address if we truly want to save not only our kids, ladies and gentlemen, but save this republic. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Please do enjoy the following messages with one important reminder. If you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I don't endorse it. Instead, it is a message coming to you from your podcast platform. and It's all based on who they think you are. We'll be right back. Folks, there are two things that I speak a lot about on The Right Report. First, we live in a troubled world, especially with China and the prospect of war with Beijing. Second, I talk about America's obesity crisis and how important it is to find ways to exercise and eat well. Thankfully, I've got a solution for both. ArcSeedKits.com, a provider of high-quality heirloom seeds that give you food security and a healthy body. Now, some of you have asked me, Brian, why should I pay a premium for heirloom seeds when I can buy cheaper stuff from online outlets or big box stores? Well, ARC Seed Kits give you the type of seeds that our grandparents had, right? You can save seeds from each year's garden crop and replant them year after year. Plus, ARC Seed Kits have all of the variety you need, folks. Listen to this. Six types of beans, four types of squash, seven tomatoes, two corn, two peas. Woo! Don't even get me started on the root crops, like beets and rutabag and carrots. So all in all, we're talking about 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables. And here's the best part. These seeds come from a family-owned farm in northern Michigan. No mystery seeds that you might get from an online or big box store. So do yourself a favor and buy the all-in-one seed kit. Go to arcseedkits.com. That's arc, like Noah's Ark, arcseedkits.com. 
enter right as a promo code. That is W-R-I-G-H-T. And you will get 10% off your order. So be prepared and invest in food security. Go to arcseedkits.com today. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with an update on immigration, including this next piece of pretty shocking news. U.S. Border Patrol officers have arrested 125 individuals on America's terror watch list so far this year. That is, of course, from October through just last month, this fiscal year. And that number, the 125 individuals, is a record number, folks, all according to data released yesterday by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Now, for comparison purposes, two years ago, border officers only arrested 15 suspected or known terrorists. This year, we're at 125. So the question is, what is driving this increase? Plus, who is to blame and how do we stop it? Well, we got some pretty interesting data on that from the folks at Pew Research Center yesterday, which released a poll on what you and your fellow Americans think about all that. First, nearly half of Americans, 47% of us actually, think that illegal migration is in fact a very big problem in the country, which is up from 38% last year. Now, most people blame this problem on the federal government. 73% say that the Biden administration is doing poorly on its efforts to stop illegal migration. And interestingly, that includes 62% of Democrats. As for what to do about this, most Americans are saying that migrants and their, these asylum seekers, they should apply for entry to this country in their home countries or somewhere along their way to America, not at the border. 81% of you all want that. Now, the next and equally popular solution is giving Border Patrol officers more people and more resources to police the border and send illegals back home. In fact, another 81% of you all want that solution, too. The least popular solution, by the way, is providing more financial aid to countries like those in Central America to stop illegal migration to begin with. Right? That policy is known as the root cause solution. Right? In other words, throwing money at the root causes of illegal migration or migration generally, such as corruption or violence in places like Honduras or El Salvador. And that is unfortunate for the folks in the Biden administration because they say that the root cause solution is the most important thing when we need to address illegal migration. So there you have it, folks. A record number of terrorists are coming into this country, and we've got some solutions on how to stop it. For what it's worth, though, as I read these poll numbers, what seems pretty clear to me is that you all know exactly what you want to fix this problem. It's just our politicians don't or can't or won't. That means you need to get to the polls and vote for politicians who want the same thing as you. Finally, this morning, Joe Biden has upset leaders in China with an off-the-cuff statement uh, he made just a couple of days ago to his political donors in California. But in doing so, he may have divulged classified information. So here's that story as reported by USA Today. On Tuesday night, Mr. Biden was in Kentfield, California, raising cash for his re-election campaign. As his donors and reporters were gathered around him, he told them about his decision last February to shoot down a Chinese spy balloon. Specifically, he addressed how President Xi of China responded to what he did. And here is what Biden said. Quote, the reason why China's President Xi got very upset 
is he didn't know the balloon was there. No, I'm serious. That is a great embarrassment for dictators when they don't know what happened, end quote. Biden then went on to explain that, quote, the balloon was blown off course up through Alaska and then down through the United States, and he didn't know about it. When it got shot down, he was very embarrassed, and he denied it was even there. Well, officials in Beijing reacted to that statement by Biden with outrage, saying that, quote, Biden's words are a blatant political provocation. They are extremely absurd and irresponsible, end quote. Okay, so the reason, folks, that I bring you this is actually two reasons. First, as I shared with you on Monday, it is highly unlikely that the Chinese leaders didn't know about their spy balloon, either in general or this one in particular, back in February. And that's because the U.S. intel community, as I shared with you, has been tracking this program for years. So it is odd that Biden said once again that President Xi knew nothing of it. But for argument's sake, let's just let's just say it's true, right? That U.S. intel agencies discovered that somehow President Xi knew nothing about this spy balloon and that he was embarrassed to learn about it and then outraged when Biden shot it down. Well, here's the problem with Biden, uh, what he did, if in fact it is true, right? He shared classified information to people without clearances or a need to know. And we know that would be true because Biden clearly got this assessment about she's surprise and embarrassment from either classified SIGINT or HUMANT, which is intel derived from things like phone calls and emails or from human spies inside Beijing. Regardless, by sharing President Xi's private thoughts and his reactions, Joe Biden shared deeply classified information that frankly could get people killed or compromise sources and methods. All right, so what are we to make of all of that and why should we care? Well, let me pivot to my opinion and analysis to answer these questions. First, it appears that Biden just committed a very similar sin to what is being alleged against former President Donald Trump, right? That he shared classified information to people without clearances or a need to know, all just because he really wanted to brag. Now, it is true, as I have argued previously, that a president can declassify whatever they would like, even by just speaking it for largely, frankly, any reason. And that's based on that 1988 Supreme Court case of the U.S. Navy versus Egan. So maybe legally or constitutionally, Biden can get away with this. In other words, sharing classified information with whomever he'd like. But that's the same point that I've tried to make about Trump, right? If as president, he declassified whatever material he had at Mar-a-Lago, right? Even if I don't think he should have taken it, he had a constitutional right to do so. And that's what's important to think about as Biden's Department of Justice is chasing down Trump for doing more or less the same thing that Biden just did with his political donors in California. Now, to be clear, two wrongs don't make a right. But let's just be fair and consistent and call them both wrong. Otherwise, nobody has a legitimate claim on what is actually right. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break. Remembering that if you don't hear my voice on these next messages, I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. 
Back on June 13th, which was Tuesday of last week, I gave you a brief on something called digital exhaust. To refresh our memories, that's the electronic fingerprint that you leave behind as you use your credit cards, the, the internet, cell phones, and all other electronic devices. As I shared with you, data brokers vacuum up that information and they sell it. And my goodness, do they sell it for billions of dollars, including to clients like the U.S. government, who is using that information that you leave behind for intelligence operations and law enforcement activities. And that's pretty bad if you care about your privacy or constitutional rights around lawful searches and seizures. Well, I got an email from Kyle in Connecticut after that brief. He asked about VPNs, right, or virtual private networks. And he asked whether those are any good at protecting a, some, uh, a person's digital exhaust. And if so, which ones do I recommend? So, Kyle, awesome question. And I want to tell you and start this with a story. When I was working with the CIA, I was speaking with a colleague of mine at the NSA, right? That was, they're kind of the, the electronic spies, right? And I asked him which smartphone he thought was the safest and most secure, to which he said a broken one, <laughs> which is not only a good joke, but it's also a really good piece of advice, right? All modern electronic devices are really surveillance devices, and once you understand that, right, whatever safety protocols or software you try, like a VPN, you're only getting risk reduction, right? Not risk elimination, right? Elimination, like my friend at the NSA said, that means you're breaking your phone. Okay, that being said, let's talk about VPNs. For folks who are unaware, let's actually define what a VPN is in very basic terms, right? In short, a VPN is software that allows your device, like your phone or your computer and such, to connect to another computer and their internet connection. Then as you search the internet or do whatever with your connected device, you get to hide a bit behind that computer and their internet address. In other words, a, a VPN sort of muddies the waters, right? Separates you from your digital exhaust. And that makes things a bit maybe even a lot harder for all those data brokers to vacuum up and then resell your digital life. But how well does these uh, you know, VPNs, how well do they actually work? Well, I'll tell you, most VPN companies are just trash. They are largely owned by the same company, interestingly enough, even though they have different names. And here's a little dirty secret of the VPN industry. They build in back doors in their software to collect your digital exhaust and resell it, which defeats the whole point of having a VPN. So Kyle and everybody, you have to be very careful. Do your homework on these VPN people. And as of right now, I think that there are two good VPN companies. One is called Molvad and the other is Proton, but that could change. And it does. In fact, I used to like another VPN company, but a few months ago, they changed their software to create a secret data collecting backdoor. And the reason that they're doing that is because, again, your digital exhaust is big business, billions of dollars. So it is very tempting for these VPN companies to bend their own digital protection rules. So, as with most things in life, Ladies and gentlemen, buyer, beware. 
And with that, my friends, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.